Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Howard's Blend. Now, in this episode, I interview my great friend, Abdullah Ahmed. Now, I consider Abdullah to be a modern renaissance man of sorts. He has a plethora of knowledge about a great many topics, and he's taught me a great many things, all the way from what exactly to say to car dealers uh, when getting a new car. I mean, he knows the exact like script, what words to use to get the best deal, all the way to what are the dietary rules of halal, which we discuss on this episode. Now, other things we discuss on this episode is how we became friends, and that leads into a discussion on how we got started in the IT industry, to his experience at the University of South Florida, working on his master's, and that touches on the visa process, having to get a student visa to immigrate from Pakistan to the United States, and the whole process of how he got the student visa, maintained it, and then eventually when he graduated, getting a visa that's sponsored by his employer. And we also touch on what are some of the cultural differences between people in the United States and people in Pakistan. Now, if you want to reach out to Abdullah on social media, you can find him on Instagram at Virtual Abdullah, V-I-R-T-U-A-L-A-B-D-U-L-L-A-H. I had a great time interviewing Abdullah. You're going to have a great time listening to this episode. So with that said, let's get to it. Hey, Abdullah. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to come on here. Hi, Howard. Uh, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, I want to get straight to the point into the show here, um, how we know each other. So we both worked at a large health insurance company. I was there for about 10 months. Uh, then my contract ended, but you're now a, a permanent employee there. But we were both on the firewall team. So we share the, I guess, I'm going to use a quote-unquote passion for IT. And so my first question is going to be, how did you get into IT? I mean, what sparked your interest in it? Uh, that uh, goes back to my um, uh, master's over here. So I came as a student over here. Um, I did a master's in electrical engineering. Over there, I had uh, courses very similar in wireless communication and computer networks. So it was like a kind of like a general master's. Um, and in my final year, I had a project where we developed like a software model of OSI layer. That's where like I started to um, come into the networks. That's how I came to know about like CCNA, that uh, sort of track. And that was your final year of your master's? Yeah, it was final year, like a project for like a one uh, uh, course that I took. And how long, you know, normally I think a master's is 36 credit hours for like two years. Is that how long for your master's? Or Mine was like 30 credit hours. Okay, so about two years, roughly a little over two years if you're yeah, doing like a full-time years. student. So uh, what he mentions when he said the OSI layer, or anybody out there is not in IT, it's basically the layer that data or it's the layers that data has to travel from the physical all the way to the application. So for example, if you're browsing the internet and then, you know, like you're looking at Google, that's the application layer, but then it goes all the way down 
to uh, the physical layer, which would be like either wireless, you know, over the air or uh, like an Ethernet cable if you actually have a hard wired. So that's what he describes the OSI model. So um, I remember from our discussions before that you were born in Saudi Arabia and then you moved to Pakistan. Now, how old were you when you moved to Pakistan? Um, I moved there for the education. Uh, back in Saudi Arabia, their curriculum is in mostly Arabic. And uh, their curriculum is like very uh, light when it comes to like science, STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, these subjects. So if I have been, uh, I could have like gone school over there, but I would have like struggled with the rest of the countries because the material over there is just not that like uh, competitive with other countries. So due to that, we had to move to Pakistan for the uh, education. I went to a school, it's called like La Salle High School. La Salle is a Catholic school. Uh, all of our teachers were like Catholic Christians over there. And that school has uh, branches in all over the countries. I think 70 or 71 countries, they have the um, uh, the school uh, branches over there. And that's your high school that you went to? Yeah. And where did you go to, where did you get your undergraduate degree? Undergrad, I got it from a university called uh, Islamia University. That's in the southern uh, Punjab part of the Pakistan. Okay. What did you get your undergraduate degree in? Uh, it was electronics engineering. Okay. And that's the same as your master's? Yeah. That, that, uh, in, in that, like, uh, uh, engineering school in my, um, last year, I had a course called computer networks where I like learn about like, uh, how to build like ethernet cable, uh, cross layer, single layer there and, uh, SF, SFPs, all that kind of uh, computer networks. And uh, we also did a lab over there using Huawei router, Hawaii or Huawei. Huawei, I think. Huawei, yeah. yeah. Over here it's called Huawei. So we like pinged one of the interface back then. Ah, okay. So you weren't using Cisco uh, in routers. Uh, yeah. So the thing with these uh, uh, Huawei company, they build so much good stuff with very cheap price. That's why it dominates in the rest of the countries as compared to Cisco. Cisco is like really, really good, but they're like the uh, license and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty expensive. Yeah, That's where a, like the Huawei, or, or, um, it dries up and it captured the market share. They deliver good stuff with very cheap price. They try to get the, the people that can't afford. Because yeah. I know the licensing for Cisco, it's even more than the hardware at times. You get the license. I mean, from what I remember... Um, Okay. So yeah, I know Huawei from like the phones uh, and I, I don't think they even allow the phones here in America because they're afraid of like, uh, I think Chinese technology, like listening in, um, to our conversations, like the federal government does that anyways. But, um, so after you, uh, graduated with your electronics engineer or engineering degree in Pakistan, um, describe me what's the, the process then to, if you're outside the country to apply for college to go to ma to get your master's here in the United States, what's the process like? So the universities over here uh, requires like a equivalent degree. Uh, back at uh, my country, I did undergrad in uh, electronics engineering. That undergrad curriculum is very similar to all countries, uh, all of the major schools over here in the U.S. So I got my like degree transcribed according to the American standards. 
And then after that, you have to get like uh, IELTS, English Equivalency uh, Language Test. And the, then there is like an Americanized version of it called TOEFL. So IELTS is like a British system and TOEFL is like an American system, computer-based. So you have to take that and this will give the uh, proof that you're capable of reading, writing English. It's a bit of hard, but not that hard. And after that, the hardest part is GRE or GMAT or GRE. Um, in other countries, I heard it is for like the, when you want to do PhD, that's like the go-to exam. But over here in the US for masters, you require that. So you have to clear that uh, minimum score. Every university, every school has a different level based on their like ranking level. So you have to clear that and then you're eligible to apply. Okay. So if I understand it right, the first thing they do is they look at your degree and then say, okay, does it, is there like an equivalent to what we have here? Um, and then if they say yes on that, then it goes to, you take the aisles or that's, or it's the TOEFL you said is here in the United States, aisles is British. And that makes sure you understand English so you can get through the classes. And then you have to take the GRE to make sure that, okay, the degree you got over there, at least, you know, you have some knowledge. It's not like I got an electronics degree, but then all they had me do was, you know, build a little tiny little circuit sure. or something like that. And that's it. Okay. You pass. Okay. I understand that. So going on to like your experience, what was, what was the first thing that really like, wow, caught your eye when you came from Pakistan here to America? Like what was the, the first thing that stood out to you? Um, I landed in uh, Tampa, Florida. That uh, itself when you were landing, it's like a beautiful city. It's like a, kind of like a um, peninsula, like the water on three sides. And it was really pretty and like the blue, bluish sparkling like ocean. Uh, back in our country, we had like one coastal area. It's a big city called Karachi. But the water quality over there, it's just like the Houston. Um, uh, oh, it's like the, the Gulf of Mexico? Right? Yeah, like yeah. The Galveston. Galveston, yeah. yeah. So you remember like the Galveston is kind of like a... Uh, muddy kind of like that so back there back there uh, most of our like seas like that i never been to the other good part of that uh, particular coastal area back in pakistan so when i landed over there i was like just surprised by that like wow man this is like so pretty and then the um climate and environment it's just like sunny all throughout the year we do get like uh, some little bit of winter but it lasts for like a one week or like maximum 15 days oh wow man I think I need to go check out Tampa. I've never been there before, but I guess because you're right there on the water and your beautiful weather. Was it, was it hard to, to keep the discipline to get your, uh, your master's degree? I mean, you, there's a lot of distractions there. Yeah. I mean, uh, most of like the Florida school, they're kind of like, uh, famous for like a party school. Um, we we do have this kind of like a environment over there like on the weekend it's just crazy like uh there's like this street we used to live it's called like 42nd street um next to the school and it was like at night um like around nine or ten it was just like the one of these uh like mardi gras uh, th that kind of thing like uh, boys and girls they're like going from one party to another party and it was like all hustling and bustling it was like really kind environment so it all depends on you what do you want to do my goal was to like be disciplined and get the degree and you know smart man don't waste the money <laughs> is it a do i mind if i ask did you get like scholarships to go to school or what was your family paying for the master's or 
I was fortunate. My dad, he paid for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because he wanted to get you uh, out of Saudi Arabia to focus more on like STEM. Um, um, so that- back there, like all of my friends and family, most of their like the uh, sons, they kind of like went to the engineering ground and some of them came over here. So I was like following them. So the one of uh, my father friend, like back then when I was a uh, kid, I used to listen for Dallas. He went to UT Arlington. He did All like right. the master's in mechanical engineering. engineering. Yeah. So I, I, I was just like following him and I used to be in touch with him. He's now settled in uh, Sacramento, California. He does like uh, project management for like a, some solar company. So I was like Very inspired nice. by him. And so I like kind of followed his path. Okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, I originally I was wanting to follow in my, my uh, older brother's footsteps who has a PhD and I was going to go to Texas A&M like him and I was going to go into engineering. I think I wanted to do mechanical engineering is what it was. But I was like, oh, if he's going, I got to go. And then life slaps you in the face. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really interested in that anymore. So it was the, uni- I, we've talked about this before. It was the University of South Florida. Yeah. Okay. Now, did you have any other schools that you considered going to? Uh, one of them was the Colorado State University. In fact, uh, f- when I first got admitted to the f- uh, school in the uh, U- United States, was Colorado State University. Uh, then someone like uh, told my mom that, hey, like uh, I-, I think uh, in 12 months, out of like 12 months, eight months, it's snow over there. And I lived in uh, both of the native place that I live outside the U.S. They were like... Uh, full of summer and they were like extreme weather. So I never been to that kind of like a snowy or harsh weather. And um, since I was like 23, only one time in my life, I went and saw snow. So uh, as soon as I heard that, I was like, I I can't survive that. So I was like, hey, so I had like one of my friends, he was with me. So we both got admitted admitted to that school. We came together. So I like persuaded him and asked him, hey, man, like, let's change the destination and choose another college. So I had a hard time, but he understood. And so we went to USF. Yeah, it's uh, it is beautiful. Uh, You know, the Rockies and everything, the snow, but I just can't imagine like turning on your you know, like you said, eight months out of the year, cranking up your heater, like the full blast, you know, cause it gets freaking cold, cold there, especially in the mountains there. But, um, one thing I wanted to, uh, focus on here. Another thing was when you graduated and you came to the United States, you had to apply for a student visa. Yes. Is that correct? So what's the, what's the application process uh, like for that? And how much does it cost? You know, do you have that do you um, know that information? Yeah, it was like long time ago. What I remember the best, I think you have to file for like application called DS-160 and it cost around $160 back then. Uh, the condition is uh, you have a, like a written proof of uh, the admission letter. Then you have, have to have your test, IELTS, and in some cases they require GRE2. And uh, then you have to show like the uh, bank statements or... Uh, if you have like some land, your father owns something, a property, you need to evaluate that. So the uh, better you will show the financial proof, the better are the chances of getting accepted for a visa to come to States. Okay. So basically they want to show that you have the financial means to support paying the tuition and then you being able to survive. That is you know, right. you, okay. So it's, it's a similar process for anybody out there who may be interested here. Um, my, my wife is from Mexico, so she has a green card through marriage. 
And so it's a similar process when you go through the marriage um, process to get a green card is that I had to show that I had enough money to where she would not, she would not need um, to go on like food stamps. Uh, I think I forgot the term they use, but I just call it like the public dime. Yeah. So it's a similar process there. They just want to make sure you're not taking uh, public funds to do that. Okay. So uh, one question that comes to mind then is what happens if you fail a class? Does that affect your visa at all? Or do you just, do they say, okay, just retake it. That doesn't affect your, the status of it. Yeah. So uh, other thing that I found like a kind of difficult back then in our like schools, um, the, uh, if you get like 80 out of 100, yeah, you get like um, a grade over here. A was like plus uh, 90. And then you have like a positive and a negative too. And then I came to know that uh, during whole like master's program, you cannot have um, more than two C grades. If you get that, you are failed out of the class. You have to degrade it to some lesser other than engineering. Is is that is that the school or is that the actual visa program that? Uh, no, it's the school. It's the school. Okay, school, so yeah. the school can set up their own. Because I know here in Texas, when I went to college, I think a D you still pass. That's still a passing grade. So there in the University of South Florida, if you got, you could get no more than two C's and then that's it. Yeah, my engineering program. Uh, so two C would transcribe into like minimum of three GPA. So three, three GPA, you have to maintain it throughout that in order to get your degree. Okay. Okay. Wow. And so there's no, um, I mean, I guess as far as you know, for the visa, they're just, are they just focused on you just staying in school or graduating or does the, I mean, I'm assuming if you fail out of the program, then the visa is gone. But is, do you know if there's like a grade stipulation to maintain the visa as well? Like the federal government says, oh, you have to have a, this GPA to keep. No, they visa. just, visa is just the entry point And then these are the grades. Uh, the grades are like tied to you. If you perform uh, not good enough, they will give you one warning by the advisor, then second warning. And then third warning, you would be like, uh, you don't, you, uh, you don't have like any like, uh, means of like staying here, like legal means. So definitely you have to go back. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And you don't get your money back from the college. I yeah. Guess. You don't. Okay, so once you, um, and I'm from talking about this before, once you graduate school here, you get your master's degree, how long do you have to find a job? Um, you get like two months, uh, after you get your like a work permit. Uh, so within two months, you have to have a job that is related to your major. And, uh, most of the cases, they have to be, uh, the company has to be willing to sponsor your visa. Uh, so when it comes to sponsorship, like after, uh, out of like 100 companies, only 10 would be willing to sponsor your visa. So you have to be, you have to really do an extensive search yeah, and I, then hope they like you yeah. uh, enough to actually pay in addition to like training and everything, but pay for your visa. And I'm sure there's legal fees and everything involved yeah, exactly. with that. Wow. So how, um, when you were getting your master's, what, at what point did you start looking for somebody to get a job with? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you, you don't want to wait till you graduate to look because there's so little time. How, when did you start looking? So I started like for initially applying uh, in engineering, engineering jobs. The response was like too, too slow. I probably would have like applied more than like 
hundred jobs and I didn't got like a single human reply. Then I was like, hey man, I need to do something else. Then I like uh, started like thinking about, hey, what about the course that I took as a network engineer? Like that's a good path. Um, over here, like the IT really progressed well. Uh, back in 2000, it was like the, um, IT. Now it's becoming more into like a data revolution. Um, uh, IT, it, it scale a lot. Like in the Bay Area, you got like so many like startup, which are like huge companies now, like trillion dollar companies now. So, uh, it's booming over here and there's like a lot of jobs in IT, IT sector. So then I like started searching job as a IT network engineer and I was lucky to get the job within the time. And, uh, what job was, uh, was that your first job? Cause I know it would, it couldn't have been the one at the, the insurance company. What was the first job you got? As uh, it was like a network engineer. Uh, the company did like, uh, IT outsourcing. They used to take like projects from the client. So I started there as like a junior network engineer. So is it, was it like, um, I guess what they call like a managed services type, uh, where the, the company like, companies go to them and then hire them to do their engineering for them so it, yeah it was like similar like that and their uh, client was like a, one of the uh um, company in the plano so that was like my first uh, job there okay i have another note here so i want to go kind of like back into the culture i guess how people react to each other i mean do they do like here if somebody asks you like hey how's it going they really they're not really wanting to know how things are going they're just trying to be polite like what can you describe what are some of the differences in terms of like the people between pakistan and, and here uh the biggest difference is like the uh, family um structure um over there back where i'm from people are like nested into each other and they're used to like living with the, uh, within the family, joint family system. And most of the time, the families living over there, it would be like in a community, they would have either like, uh, uh relatives or like cousins living in the same place, like very, uh, back where I'm from, uh, uh, the place where I grew up, I had like two, uh, three aunts, my grandmother and extended relatives in the same place. So over here, it's, it's different. It's like, um, everybody's doing like nine to five jobs and people, uh, go to bed at like 10 and they're like really punctual. And, uh, or back at our, uh, my country, if you have like weddings, uh, people would actually start coming at like 11, showing up at the place and they would go for like uh, two to three at nine in the morning. So I, I see it because here in America, I know for me, I couldn't wait to get out of the house when I want, you know, when I was becoming an adult. So there it's like everybody, they stay and they all stay together. Um, and I guess I, I, I could see the benefits of that because you're all, you know, you're all supporting each other. And I want to go back to moving over here in the United States. What were some of the difficulties that you had that you, that you had to face other than keeping that focus on getting your masters and not going to the parties? Did you have problems? getting accustomed to any of the cultural changes here? I mean, being on your own, not with your you know, family anymore. Can you go into that? We had like some, um, for example, like the food we eat. Um, for example, like Jews, they get, they have like the kosher meat. And for us, we have like a halal meat. It's like um, a specific way of like uh, um, cutting an animal, like slaughtering an animal. Um, we had to have like, uh, back in Tampa, the, um, the Muslim community over there is not that great. And we have like very, very limited here in Dallas area. It's like 
you have like so much choices and everybody they just visit town to just eat eat over here like it's now becoming a trend over there uh previously they used to go to uh back like a couple of years they used to go to the houston houston is also like a big major other hub of the like the muslim community now it's like the dallas of people are like really educated over here because of these tech companies um there was this and then the uh second thing was i like uh, kind of like missed because back in my country people are like, so much nosy and they want to know everything what's going on there's like no like privacy it's like invasion of privacy uh over here it's like everybody is like quiet like uh, even the neighbors they rarely talk like if you're friends with them it's okay right if not then not right so everybody is like uh, minding their own business and you know and the uh, second third thing was the um uh, uh, i was like uh, the structure over here is like the you have pay you have to pay tax and for example if you have to like have a, a vehicle car you have to pay insurance right uh, back in my country insurance like um, it's it's unfamiliar like if you're rich you would get that but that's pretty much it so when we thought i thought of like buying a car then i came to know that i was like oh man i cannot afford that so i used to like a drive a, a bicycle and on that i used to go to like the stores and do the grocery and go to the school that's that's actually i've considered doing that you know getting a bicycle and just doing like local stuff and you save yeah. a lot of money but to your last point yeah to to have a car it's not just the car you know yeah. you have insurance you have gas yes. you have repairs and you have what is it they even have the inspections yeah. and then you got to make sure and if it doesn't pass and you got to get it fixed Thanks. and it's like oh yeah the insurance is um yeah it's it's it can be very very expensive especially for someone such as yourself who you, know, you come here and then you're eventually get a car if you don't really have any record then the insurance they're going to jack the rates yeah, up yeah. and, and then you got to get full coverage unless you own the car. the car yeah and plus the public transportation over here it's like super slow it's like it would take like one to two hours just to like go within like 10 to 15 miles now how's the public transportation in pakistan is that is it good or is it it's comparatively cheaper over there like much much cheaper then over here, for example, you have to get get a cab over here. Now, back then, uh, I think the Lyft and Uber, they came, uh, they got introduced back in 2014, but we came in like uh, 2013 or something. So we didn't have that kind of like luxury of like calling uh, and these cheap uh, ride sharing apps. So uh, there was like a um, bus, I think it was like called uh, Hard Bus stands for like something like that for like the Tampa area and that was like uh, super slow super slow okay okay now on to your 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 point about the i think it was your second point on privacy i mean yeah here i mean my my neighbors now i think they have like little kids i think i've talked to them like one time and then the lady before that i talked to her maybe once or twice and she was here for a whole year and yes yeah, so i i can see like here in the united states like no, unless you make the concerted effort to go over there and talk to him, like nobody, nobody knows anybody. It's kind of like, nobody, oh, yeah, nobody cares to. Okay. So, okay. And, um, now on halal, cause I know, yeah, I've seen the restaurants yeah. here where they serve halal. Is that similar to, to kosher? I mean, I, cause I know like kosher, you don't eat pork. And I know for Muslims, they don't, you don't eat pork as well. 
Yeah, so the way the uh, like this whole uh, uh, halal slash kosher thing is, both Muslim and Jews, they believe in Prophet um, uh, Musa. It's called, uh, and uh, Jews call it Moses. Um, it's uh, um, and uh, then uh, then there was like a Prophet Abraham. So there is like uh, this. Um, 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 story that happened and uh, when he had to like he was asked to sacrifice his son but then the god sent like a lamb so um it all started from there so it's very similar to that for example if i'm like outside where i don't have like uh, access to halal i would ask them hey do you have like any kosher menu if it were i would like happily eat it because the, the principle is uh, basically same okay so it's the same but it's just the from the two different religions yeah. to the two different but oh, the only one thing is is like the uh, in kosher wine is con- considered as like okay uh, but for us uh, any form of like alcohol is like forbidden religiously okay okay yeah. so there's never any time any like even like a holiday where where it's okay to con- to consume alcohol no never it's like strictly forbidden well okay well that that actually to me sounds like a benefit i try to stay away from alcohol yeah. so. <laughs> Okay, so I mean, I guess we're pretty much finishing up. That's pretty much what I wanted to focus on. So I guess to to wrap it up, we talked about this before the interview. Do you have any um, plans for your future yet? You know, do you have any future career goals? Um, so I thought about it. Uh, as of now, I like IT. It has like lots of possibilities. For example, if you're like bored with one particular technology, there are always something to you can go there. For example, like I was, I used to be a network engineer. Then I jumped into like firewall security. Then now you have like cyber security. It's like a lot of like learning opportunity. If you're like bored with that, you can definitely go into like a QA testing or project management and so much. Um, the other thing would be like, uh, there's been a lot of like, uh, economy recession kind of fears. So I have to like be mindful of that, like, uh, find something that is like really recession prone. And, uh, when that happens, hopefully you have a job. Hopefully everybody has a job. Yeah. You bring up a really, really good point. Something that I thought, because especially with all the, um, I forgot the, the gentleman's name, the guy running for president on the or the democratic nomination talking about automation because i know uh we hear it all the time in terms of troubleshooting automation 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 and i'm thinking to myself okay how much longer do i have a job you know everything's going to be automated and so i see your point like you want to find something recession proof that i d- i don't think of like the stigma especially here in america there's there's i've heard people before put a stigma on like Oh, they're an auto mechanic or they're a plumber. It's like, well, you can't outsource that job and yeah. you can't get, as of right now, you can't get a machine to do that job. Do that. I mean, you can do the diagnostics on a car, but somebody needs to get their hands dirty. So yeah, in terms of IT, the only thing I can really think of is knowledge, artificial intelligence, you know, really, really advanced. You're not going to be able to replace the knowledge. The computer may be able to do the the work, but somebody's gonna have to put the input into it to do it. You know, the yeah. and you're gonna have to know the knowledge of the routing protocols. And like we were talking about, yeah. we we're on the firewall team. So, you know, firewalls, access lists, you know, all those, et cetera. So and automation, it only happens when you have a pattern. Repetitive uh, repetitive task. That's where you That's can a good do point. automation. But if it's like something uh, other than that, where you have to uh, use your mind, I think the artificial in- uh, uh, intelligence is like way, way behind that. 
who knows what the future hold for us maybe like 10 to 15 years or maybe 20 year who knows i have no idea about that for example like these uh tesla car um they have like the um, um autonomous uh driving and it's it, it, they they did they pulled off like really signature uh, significant uh, in the history they're able to drive but still it requires like some form of like uh, human input uh, you just can't like let it decide on their own because like in real world scenario there is always something that you won't be able to like feed it to the system and for that you need like human brains so if there is like a pattern that can be automated but if there is not a pattern you don't have to worry about that yeah think on your feet you yeah. have to make like an immediate decision and yeah it's it, it's not that point but by the time that artificial intelligence is to that point we'll be billionaires by then so it doesn't really matter to us. we'll be out of it <laughs> We laying on a beach somewhere, yeah. drinking. Uh, we'll be drinking water, well, no alcohol. No, yeah, private island. Are you on social media? If anybody who's listening wants to reach out to you for you know anything to hit you up, they're interested. Maybe we get to talk to you more. Where can people find you? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram. It's uh, virtual v i r t u l a b d. Uh, that's uh, where I'm like active a lot. Uh, not really uh, uh, these days, but that's where I have the uh, some social presence. Generally, I'm like quiet. Um, I'm not that kind of guy who's like uh, wherever he goes, he's like posting posts and like uh, showing how happy is it. It's all depend on like your yourself, your self improvement. You don't have to like depend on other people and get inputs, and then you have to realize, hey, I, now I think I'm happy. It just do whatever you want to do just don't show off that's kind of like a my logic and be as be this like this neither like so much liberal no so much conservative there's always like this middle kind of path and i think it works uh, good every situation well folks that's exactly why i wanted to have abdul on because he's got that great mindset i'm going to say it like i'm going to do what makes me happy and that's that's what we try to drill home, drill home on this show. Like life is too short yeah. to not do what you want to do in Dude. life. Just go for it. You're not going to lose anything. Well, Abdullah, anything and else? Also, uh, oh. Something I would like to add. add. Um, working with the Howard, Howard, Howard was the uh, first known Muslim fr- friend and colleague that I was like uh, social with him outside the work and we've been like staying uh, in touch he had child i came and saw his son too and when we were working together he was like this kind person uh they're like people at the workplace where you go to them and ask for help uh, they will help you but they will kind of like really procrastinate at like upper management hey i help this guy i help that guy howard whenever you go to him he just stops everything and he jumps in and helps you out that was like the most uh, good quality that i got like inspired and generally wh- how he carries his uh, talks everything is like really really mature and sensible so and his uh, philosophy of like staying active healthy eating it really hit me and i started using um, quinoa and that kind of like other like healthy organic kind of stuff so he really like inspired me and i was like really fortunate the time i spent with him oh man i'm blushing now thank you thank you and i'll i'll, I'll, I'll give you your money after the show <laughs> for, for saying that but uh okay well um abdullah with that said we're gonna wrap up today's uh show and 
Thanks everybody for listening and catch you all later. If you enjoyed the podcast and you found value in it, please leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Also leave a review and subscribe, not only on Apple Podcasts, but on all the other platforms this show is on if Apple Podcasts isn't your thing. And that's Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you have a question or a comment you want to direct to me personally, my email address, as well as where you can find me on Instagram, is in the description of the show. Now, if you do find value in the show and you enjoy it, please spread the word. Tell at least one friend, more if you want to, but one is great, to listen to the show. So don't do it just for me. Do it for your friends that will find value in it. Because if you find value in it, they're likely going to find value in it. Now, with that said, thanks again for listening. Now get off the couch.